0: Welcome to Art Openings, the podcast where there are no gatekeepers, no stupid questions, and art for all. Hosted by Samantha Sanders and Courtney Jordan and sponsored by Artist Network.
1: Money makes the world go round. At least money doesn't hurt, especially if you're an artist. This is the final episode of our Money Month Um, special series of mini episodes. So if you've missed out on any of those, there are four of them this month instead of just the typical one episode and they're all mini eps, so you can listen to them on your commute to work or when you're making breakfast or whatever. So today's final episode, we are going to be answering some listener solicited and submitted questions um, from working artists or people who aspire to be working artists. So I've got a couple questions for Courtney. She's got a couple questions and we'll just go back and forth. But We will be back to answer those questions after a short break. Artist Network is proud to present SketchCon in partnership with Sketchbook School. For three fun-packed days, we'll experience a nonstop smorgasbord of rich visual presentations, inspirational talks, collaborative art projects, demonstrations of techniques and materials, sketch crawls, and one-on-one advice. For the first time ever, over 500 creative makers and artists, including top sketchbook artists from around the world, will gather in sunny Pasadena this November 2nd through 4th to celebrate our art. If you love to draw and paint in your sketchbook, join us. Tickets are limited, so definitely Register now at SketchCon.com. That's SketchCon with a K. S-K-E-T-C-H-K-O-N dot com. All right. Welcome back to the final episode of Money Month. So, Courtney, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you the first reader-listener submitted question. Okay. How am I really supposed to track the cost of materials? Ugh, okay. So. And why would someone do that? That's not their question. I'm, that's my. That's yeah, mine.
0: It's when you think about it, it feels totally asinine. It's like, oh, I really wanna clock how much you know, how many napkins I buy at the grocery store over a year. But yes, you can never take it to a tube of paint or single brush level. You're never really gonna know what you get out of that in a year. But it is something to consider in terms of cost of materials that you have over let's say the course of the, the like the course of a year. Um, same with framing. So It just provides a baseline for material output that you do. Um, I think the best way to do this, because it's like people are like, literally, how do I do it? If you keep receipts for three months, you can roughly calculate what you'd spend in a year. So if you wanted to start today and you're like, I have receipts from 10 years, it it doesn't matter. Go forward. Take three months. If you're going to buy art supplies... Keep those, tally them at the end of three months, you'll have a quarter representation of what it would be for a year, and then you'll know when it comes time to price your work that fits into a formula, you know, maybe like if it's, I mean, gosh, if you spend $1,000 a year, how many pieces did you make in a year, you know what I mean, something like that. Um, same with just for the good of your taxes. I mean, it is good to know because those materials, if you've set yourself up, um correctly as an artist through your taxes you can um you can have that reflected in there um i had one that came in about discounting so they're like what's up with discounting like it's a dirty word first it's not it shows you want to work with someone and it hooks people in discounting in galleries totally standard a guaranteed 10% discount for collectors buying one work, 15 maybe for two, and 20 for three or more is definitely part of the gallerist conversation with a prospective collector. And even that formula is you know flexible depending on the work and the collector. So discounting is totally
1: something to be comfortable with just knowing where your sort of lines are. All right, so uh, got a few other questions here from listeners. Um, this one I'm going to break into a two part, or I'm going to answer part of it and then I'm going to throw it to you. I okay, know, she's really <laughs> I'm like, making I'm going an to throw it right me. back at you. <laughs> so the question is what are the best three things I can do to network? So it's really kind of wild. Um, I wish you could see Courtney's thinking face. I
0: know I'm like, can I have a pen? I yeah, so I mean,
1: a pen. most people don't like to network, so the thought of doing it is really daunting, especially I think for um, people who do their work in a solitary environment. Um, painters paint alone, so the idea of then having to go out into the world and mix and mingle and sort of, I think the feeling people have often is that they have to justify themselves or justify their work um, during the course of networking, which puts a whole other level on it and makes it all the more stressful. So I think there's a couple different ways you can approach it. What I'm going to do is, Courtney, I'm going to talk about the the things that you can do online to network. So for people who are a little bit, uh, you know, more introverted, what are some ways that you can network effectively online? Um, And then if you could tackle some things you can do, IRL, like to network Okay. Okay. So for me, and this is something where um, I'm constantly looking to connect with artists and connect with writers as part of my job. And one of the things that's a real challenge for me is that there are a ton of people who still do not have a basic website. I know that that sounds like um, something super simple, but the truth is, it's really necessary and it can be super simple. So with all of the different build your own website um, things out there, and we're not big enough yet to get um, sponsored by them, but I hope someday. Mm. We can do our own podcast commercial for...
0: Dream the dream.
1: Yeah. Wix or whatever. But those things exist for a reason. They make uh, creating your own website super easy. So... In order to have a a working artist website, all you need is to have good photographic representation of your work and a way to contact you. If you can get an artist statement on there, that's terrific. But the main thing is, how does somebody get in touch with you and what does your work look like? So it can be a one-pager, but the important thing is that you have it there. Um, So the other thing that's super important, I think, is that Instagram continues to be a huge force in the art world and that's personally how I discover a lot of artists who I might potentially want to work with for the magazine so again um, on the really basic tip but also it's super frustrating when it's not there have your Instagram link back to your website that way I can get a hold of you and I don't have to sit there and wonder do you ever look at Instagram messages because it's always weird when you get those (laughs) why do people try to do that Um, so yeah and Instagram is also a great place to sort of show other artists some love, and I think that that's a really important part of networking, is just continuing to reach out to people. And it, for me, that's a much more organic way. It doesn't have to be anything cynical. Just kind of put your like art appreciator hat on and see who you can discover. And it's also a great way to make um, relationships and potential real-world friendships with other artists. Um, Another kind of of out-of-the-box idea is sort of like a hybrid um, in-person and online networking piece, which is to teach. So one of the things that I get really excited about is the people that we work with at Artist Magazine um, to teach live events, um, to teach at retreats, to teach at conferences. They make real-world connections with people. And then those people become fans. And it's really easy to get fans when you have a personal relationship with someone. So make sure that those people know how to look at your art. Make sure they know how to contact you on your website. And you have a whole new class of potential buyers that you wouldn't have had before. Um, So, yeah, I think that's kind of a, a hybrid real world online example. But Courtney, do you have any thoughts on real world did you want to say mingling
0: IRL again?
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I jotted some down. Um, first one. Who are the artists that you're close to? I mean, make it take it to your peers and support system first. Uh, that's low hanging fruit. Um, do you guys have a space? Can you show collectively? Make it something that is um, part and parcel with what you do as an artist anyway. I think that's a, a beautiful thing and it also means there's just a lot of sharing that goes on with the, an artist collective. So start with the other artists around you that you, you love, you work, you love working with, etc. Um, then think local state, regional. So what are the local art events that are happening? like in your town? If not in your town, then in your state. If not in your state, then in your region. Don't take, let's say, the fact that your local scene isn't super robust when it comes to the arts to sort of shut that down because your state certainly does. I can almost guarantee it. And your region for sure. So look into societies and organizations, pain outs, um, invitationals, things like that. You're there. So you're relevant to them. Mm-hmm. They absolutely want to know who you are. Um sort of piggybacking on something you said, teaching. I mean, drink and draw opportunities, the sort of wine and paint things, those happen all over the place. It's easy to get those kind of gigs. It's easy to, relatively easy to start those up on your own. Those are real life things. I mean, that's more about making money and less maybe about yourself as a painter, because you're probably not going to teach people to paint your particular style. But those people, you know, you're you're hooking them into art and painting in a way that maybe they didn't before. Appreciation usually follows once you do something and realize maybe how difficult it
1: is. So you're, you know, building a budding relationship there. And often I think those people have huge connections that are important outside the art world. So you may be their entry into the art world, but they may be connected to other people, other organizations, other companies that can serve you at a later date. So don't be blind to those opportunities.
0: Absolutely. And that speaks to, um, so we've talked about, and obviously traditional art spaces is something to do. I mean, yes, the art galleries and um museums that might have invitational shows, you should definitely pursue. But you can also pursue non-traditional spots. Um, You know, real estate often likes to have art in the places that they are, you know, putting up on sale. Hotels, local um, B&Bs and stuff like that. So that's something that can be uh, a definite outlet that's outside maybe the art norm. And then the other thing to consider is auctions. Um, if you decide to contribute your work to an auction, let's say uh, an institution is having, oftentimes artists are kind of like, well, you know, I'm giving that piece up for free. Yes, that's true. But think about what you're offering. So let's say you put a piece in there and then you also offer a free sitting for a portrait or a landscape Um commission. That means you're going to develop a relationship with the person that picks that up. Also, and that person has money. Yeah. And also negotiate tickets to that auction. Like be there in person, be like, "Yeah, sure, I'll I'll be happy to participate. It's going to be this and I need two tickets." Because mm-hmm. then you can be there, you can mingle with that crowd, and that's something that you can hopefully leverage maybe in, you know, conversations you have over wine in those really, you know, little fancy canapes use the napkins yeah
1: and as Classic. someone who regularly invites people to things don't be afraid to ask for a little something for yourself especially if you're doing something for free um i think tickets are the bare minimum sometimes you can cop an honorarium for certain appearances um or you know you never know what's going to happen so don't be afraid to just do one little ask and see what you can get away with because most people want to say yes because they want you there mm-hmm Oh, sorry. Next question. Oh. All right. Um, Let's do a hypothetical. So let's say, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, the idea of selling work online and how many pitfalls there can be there. Mm. Um, So let's say that you posted a painting and someone that you don't know, a stranger, sends you a message and they want to commission you. Okay. Not that they want to buy that painting, but they like your work. They like your style. Uh They have an idea. They Mm -hmm. want you to paint their grandma or something. Got it. So what are the steps you should take? Like, first of all, how do you know you can trust a stranger and how does the money work? Do you ask for it up front? Do you ask for it in stages? What do you do?
0: So to speaking to never do a knee jerk, yes or no, sit with it. Always give yourself, you know, 24, 40 hours a week, depending on your schedule to say, okay, I'm going to tender you an offer. So these are your, in that time, you're going to be listing out your prices, having communications with them. Obviously, if the, conversation falters, yeah, they're probably just a scammer, right? But if they come back to you, and bear in mind, and we've all been here... It can take... I mean, people can be flighty Mm -hmm. weeks to months. I'm not trying to speak to that, but the conversation will eventually go somewhere in terms of the details. Never start a uh, commission without 50% down, Mm -hmm. and you have that in hand. And never let that piece of art leave your hands without full payment. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are maybe hard and fast rules, but there's a way to say them nicely. Um, And then from there... When you are pricing, be mindful of all the ins and outs of what you're going to be doing to get there,
1: um, get to that finished work, and so. At what point, when you're doing the, you're having the pricing conversation? At what point does sort of negotiation turn into? negging because i've seen that happen people post like messages um for someone who tries to commission or solicit a piece of art and then you tell them your price and then it's like are you serious like you don't you're not a big name like i'm i'm not going to pay that much like if someone is insulting you versus like if somebody wants to negotiate how do you know if the negotiation is like healthy and normal or if it's going to sort of a negative space.
0: I think if anyone tries to call into account your worth, like if it, if that becomes about you, then that's the problem, right? Cuz usually it's going to be like, "Hey, that's out of my price range." And mm-hmm. I've definitely done that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I collect work, but again, I'm one person on a totally right. working girl's salary. Right. So, sometimes I'm like, "Hey, I just wanted to inquire about your prices." If they're way out of my ballpark, I mean, I honestly own it. I'd be like, hey, I wish. Yeah. Thanks so much. I mean, your work is beautiful, maybe in the future. Mm-hmm. I think I think a real collector, I mean, we collect with our, our hearts and our eyes, right? I mean, we love work that may be out of our price range forever, but it's always about a mutual respect. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, artists, if you're feeling disrespected... You know walk away in a professional manner because you are the professional in that um, conversation Mm -hmm. and just say hey sorry that you know that's not going to do it for you and then cut ties. I mean I would say you know move on.
1: How do you deal with someone who has a tight timeline like I would like you to paint this picture in the next two weeks. Well, I mean, the
0: first thing, can you do it? I mean, I, and then you charge the premium for that and you make that clear. It'd be like, absolutely. If you, if you're interested in doing it Mm -hmm. and then just say, sure. But for that, that's a, you know, $200 bump or I mean, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is, there's no problem in doing that, um, And I've gotten into situations kind of the opposite. Someone wants to borrow a work to, let's say, showcase in a pop-up. If you want that, that's fine. Definitely make sure you've got a contract where if there's damage or anything like that happens, that price makes you feel whole Mm -hmm. coming out of it. Um, And, you know, that can be another way altogether. It's, you know, just another situation.
1: Okay, final question. So, um, this one, I can tell this one's coming from a real raw emotional place. (laughs) How do I fight the urge to just start painting flowers and beaches since that's the only shit that sells? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like that. I like flowers. Beaches, I don't know. I'm give or take. I know you don't. Well, there's an animal you don't like, but we won't discuss it in case someone paints that animal. Oh, most animals. No offense. Cruella. I know. (laughs) Sorry. So I think it's sort of about making peace with your business plan, which is not the most romantic answer to that. But if you need to make money, if you want to make money, if it's sort of a calculated step in your artistic career um, and you're comfortable painting flowers and beaches, then I don't think there's inherently anything wrong with that. So. You can also take the approach of, and this is where I think most of our listeners would be and where I think most people who are artists would be, which is, you know, you just have to get to the point where you feel confident in your own work and you can feel like you can ignore trends. But in order to do that, you also have to make peace with your nine to five or whatever your main source of income is because it's a very small percentage of people who can make... Uh, A whole living as as a working artist. So yeah, you either have to be okay with with those circumstances that allow you to do work that's true to your vision, which often means having a job that's maybe not fulfilling to your heart. Um, Or, you know, you can kind of, um, I guess, be strategic about it and decide to do the kind of work that's going to sell.
0: I've found, actually, most working artists, if they're artists and they're only doing their work, the marketing, it doesn't matter. Uh, two artists in particular I'm thinking of, I've said to them, dude, those those are going like gangbusters. Why don't you make more of them? And they're like, you know, I love doing those pieces. I don't want to do more. I don't want mm-hmm. to make it a marketing thing. Or, you know, as much as they sort of gripe or... um sort of pseudo wine because I don't think they're really whining about oh I'm not making it this person's making it I don't think they can do anything but what they do mm-hmm. I think a lot of artists are I mean it, it's like you know trying to turn yourself from one thing to another it doesn't work so y- yeah I, I mean make peace but also like I don't even think you could if you wanted to if you don't want to do beaches and flowers because <laughs> I think that's because you're an artist and you're doing what your artistic bent is sort of pushing you to. If you are a business person who happens to have a, you know, a a dab hand at creating paintings or whatever, I mean, that's a different thing altogether. Mm -hmm. And no good or bad because, I mean, anyone who's making money off art, I think, you know, at a base level,
1: I support that. But Well, there is a whole world of people who are making money as assistants who are actually doing the real painting behind artists, which is still a way of doing valid or critically approved art, but it's not necessarily your art. Totally anonymous. And you can still have time to create on your own. So that's a whole other avenue. I don't think it has to be black or white. That's totally true. So those are all the questions we got for this mini episode, but we would love to continue answering your questions and it doesn't have to just be about money. It can be about anything. It can be about craft. It can be about, um, uh, you know, colors. It can be about whatever. So please go ahead and send us in your questions, (laughs) colors or whatever. This is the fourth episode we've (laughs) taped in a row. We're tired,
0: but loving it.
1: but we do want to hear your questions so you can send those into us um at facebook on artist network um by a message or you can send them to us on twitter at artist network thank you for listening to money month and if there's anything else you want to hear us go super in depth on we would love to do a whole other month of special topics so send us your ideas thanks for listening bye Art Openings is brought to you by Artist Network and is recorded at Banana Peel Studios in Brooklyn, New York. This podcast is produced by Courtney Jordan and Samantha Sanders with audio production by Chris Weingarten. Thanks for listening and be sure to rate us on iTunes.